Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator, and I'm Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to a special episode of The Marvelists. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And we're totally not recording this for the second time in a row. But before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and introducing to you all our very special guests, before we get into that, let's tell you all how you can get a hold of us on social media. You do it, not me. Just read the episode description, folks. It tells you everything that you need to know. Everything is pretty much at The Marvelists. And I'm at Peter Melnick on pretty much everything. And Eddie's on Instagram at... Eddie, 9193. So we got that. Also, you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, Spotify, etc., etc. All of that, as long as you can stream it, you can listen to it. And when you're on iTunes, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Ice Cream Machine, McDonald's, etc. Five-star, do it. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Hey, worked for Cracks us. himself up, folks. You heard it here. You can also be able to check us out. Make me feel good about myself. Tell me I'm that I've lost yeah, weight. Like I, you know, promo I want code. I check out. Check yeah, him out. I just wanna, whatever. I just want to feel good. Promo code Marvelists. Anyway, also, <laughs> you can be able to. Yeah. Anyway, you could be able. You know. could be. Could you? Could you? Well, I don't know. Unable. But. Under the table. Also, during the lost recording, I gave a cheap plug for the podcast and honorable mention with Shane Hagedorn. If you like wrestling and stuff like that, give him a listen. He's really good. Hey, thumbs up. I'm doing it for the audio podcast. I don't know why. But, by the way, people, if you're listening, Disney Plus, it's out. We're loving it. I saw Eddie up with his account today. And yeah, Eddie enjoyed looking at the menu. That was good. Make a selection for the next episode. <laughs> that, Stay tuned. I enjoy that. That was good. <laughs> but one of the little things that we're going to tell you about is we're going to be doing an episode devoted to a movie that is not Marvel. <gasps> Sorry, I just wanted to breathe really into the microphone just now, but... Yeah, you did. Did we miss my review of the con that I went to? We'll be, we'll be getting to that. Oh, good. But before we get into that, for a future episode, watch the movie The Rocketeer. It's on Disney+. Plus, and if you like Captain America, The Winter Soldier, or sorry, if you like Captain America, The First Avenger, you're going to like the, uh, the Rocketeer because it was directed by the man who directed... Captain America, the first Avenger. Anyway, there's a lot that is on there that I recommend checking out. A lot of animated series, of course. First one being, of course, X-Men, the animated series. And also be sure to check out the new Spider-Man that's on there from 2017 to now. We might got a very special surprise for you in the very near future. Stay tuned, true believers. Well, you you know what I'm talking about, but we can't say it on I Mike. try to know. Well, that email we had. succeed all the time, but yeah. That you know that mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving and so forth. Right. Now you know what I'm talking Being about. Being full. Right. There we go. <laughs> Cranberry sauce, Eddie. Yeah, okay. Tofurky. But I got to go this past weekend to Nyack, New York, and I got to stop into the comic book shop, Funny Business. And big shout out to BJ from over there. Loved your shop. And we will be doing more stuff with you guys down the line. And 
not just from a business standpoint of buying funny books at Funny Business, but also we might have some cool stuff down the line. Need I say more? You will. Can't shut Peter up. Mm-hmm. And you also did some cool stuff this past weekend. What did you do, Eddie? Super Mega Fest, Framingham, Massachusetts. Turbo. No, no, November 16th and 17th <laughs> at the Sheridan. Great place to have a show. Uh, had done that for four years in a row, but then away from it for a while. But uh, And even though it was two days, put folks coming in from out of town on the Friday night and a uh, what they call the, a, a onesie party, that is pajama wear type of thing. And even with the feety pajamas kind of thing, so you had characters in 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 pajamas, cosplayers, or just folks who wanted to have fun in a different manner. And even that night, starting with characters like Lucy and Ethel from I Love Lucy, and they're baking, they were they were in their pink dresses and the hats. All we needed was some extra chocolates and somebody to yell, "Speed it up!" But uh, Matches Malone was there, a great Batman cosplayer and that's all he does he is he is batman he's taken on the name the character all he does is great stuff that's exactly right yeah miss molly the cosplayer good golly her and her friend that uh, were daphne and velma from scooby-doo <laughs> i just turned into a horse facebook to friend and otherwise tim wiley in his various costumes including a ghostbuster outfit and then the interviews start and the celebrities on saturday and all all of them were not covered, but the likes of Loretta Swit were there. Uh, Edward Furlong from Terminator 2, most notably. Tony Danza. Hold me closer. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. But the first interview was Nicholas Hammond. Live action, Spider-Man character, late 70s, an all-around nice guy, and hopefully future guest on the on the program, on the podcast. In full length. We'll have him more than for uh, for five minutes. And right next to him at a table was a woman who's been acting, she said, for 60 years. She asked to be interviewed, and turns out she worked with Vincent Price, was in Damien Omen 2. Her character had her eyeballs torn out, so she, I think relatively early in the film, her character was killed off. Elizabeth Shepard, very nice woman also, and uh, pictures to accompany these, these names. Carmen Electra, photo. And autograph, that that was it. Voice actor, Tony Daniels Gambit from the X-Men animated series. From season five. Also, a, a, a whole gamut, cornucopia, because it is November. It is. Of characters in costume, very numerous to try and run down and mention. Dukes of Hazzard reunion, John Schneider spoke to him a little bit on the side without recording and no exchange of, of money involved in, in paying for, for that. But the celebrities stay at the hotel. We happened to run into some of them, and John was one of them. Very nice guy. But Tom Wopat and Catherine Bach, the reunion was just on Saturday. Vehicles were out there like the General Lee. And the Jeep. Robert E. The white Jeep that was Daisy Duke, Dixie Mobile, if you will. The shorts? The Tick was there. Uh, Harvey Two-Face was there. Who else? Jessica Rabbit. Several Harley Quinn actors. Savio Vega. The Spider-Man character from the live-action show that Nicholas Hammond played. And I love cosplays like that. Yeah. That, for some reason, and he had like the mirrored um, lenses probably too, right? Pretty much, and the, the general eye shape. 
general. And yeah, general pretty much absolute easy at ease. But the idea of like I love obscure versions of characters. Yeah. A couple of versions of Catwoman. There was a penguin there. Yeah, shout out to Alex. He did a great job in that. I ever tell you, I, have I ever told the story about the time I met a Penguin cosplayer at Garden State Comic Fest? You might have, but go ahead. When I saw one, I literally just walk up to him and I go, Rawr! and then he goes, Rawr! and I go, Rawr! and oh, that's right. You had a yeah. We had a co- full on conversation, and I go, and then I, you know, I asked for a photo, and I'm pantomiming taking a photo. I go, rawr, rawr, rawr. and he was going, rawr, rawr, rawr. in the form of a question. That's for it, was, it was delightful. And then we just, you know, we said goodbye, and it was like old friends. Again. No, that's part of the best of friends. It's exactly part of the best. It was the best of times. It was a rawr, rawr, rawr. that that sucked. But anyway, it kind of um, there was <laughs> there was a Tony Stark uh, character with his arc reactor looked very much the part. There was from the world of wrestling, Paul Bearer. Oh yeah! Exactly right. Did a really good job carrying Thank his you. urn in his, in his. Uh, it was well White made, made up face and uh, you know, darkened mustache and so on. Ooh. Again, several Harley Quinns. Oh, uh, some steampunk type characters, and a good representation for Ghostbusters, and at least a couple of the uh, glamorous ladies of wrestling. Glorious ladies of wrestling, or gorgeous glorious, ladies of wrestling. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Glorious. Okay. Thank you. I am gorgeous, though. I appreciate There's, that. There was a man and a woman who had red sweatshirts and one said, I'm not Electra and I'm not Daredevil, and just was kind of a goof. That's a reference that. to the Mark Wade run of Daredevil, which I've been revisiting recently. Okay, there you go. That's apparently what that was all about. There was a, a, at least a Thor and a Hela. Good time. Uh, Teenage Sonic. Oh, come on. You missed that joke. That was a good joke. Yeah, I believe it. Several <laughs> iterations of Wonder Woman, including what, the, the New 52 version from Nina Martinez. Thank you very much. A couple of Mary Jane Watsons with the uh, heart-shaped Spider-Man face on the white T-shirt. Good job on uh, all of those characters. And, of course, several Batman and a couple of Supermen. And two young ladies... Must have been about 12 years old in similar dresses that definitely resembled the twins from the movie The Shining. And they make a re- uh, reprisal in Dr. Sleep, which, by the way, yeah. I did not sleep during it, but yeah, good. it certainly was a monotonous movie. That's my review of Dr. Sleep. I know you were all asking for that. Monotonous movie. Do, 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 do. Yeah, monotonous. monotonous. Now... Before we get into this episode, we also want to quickly cover Chadwick Boseman was talking about how with Disney Plus, he feels that he doesn't want to do anything with the platform with the role of Black Panther on Disney Plus, which I get that, but I feel like Chadwick is of the mind where going and doing something for television is a step down. I'm in complete disagreement. Look at Netflix. November 27th, they're going to be releasing The Irishman by Martin Scorsese. And it's got a crap ton of really great actors. And those are Hollywood A-listers doing a Netflix thing, which is essentially made for TV. So, that, that no, it's, it's not a step down. To think of that, that's such a dated belief. And Well, that's not a blatant, obvious uh, state, statement that was made, I don't think, so... He did. He was interviewed recently, and he didn't say verbatim uh, it's a step yeah. down. But he's just not. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't feel the need to do it. 
And I'm sorry, but... for translation. All right, that, I get it. That mouse money, mm. they're getting a lot of people, and again, if it's not a step down. Robert Downey Jr. is reprising the role of Tony Stank for the upcoming Marvel animated What If series. Cool. He's going back in the armor, and... If you go on Disney Plus, by the way, there's a uh, featurette. It's essentially a Disney Plus infomercial talking about what's coming up for Marvel. It's showing Kevin Feige talking about D23 and San Diego Comic-Con upcoming movies. and sh- Or not movies, but like the upcoming series. And at one point he's using his Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade float description of like some of the characters. And here comes Moon Knight. Yes, Moon Knight. A man imbued with powers of a uh, Egyptian god, yada yada yada. He's multiple people, or is he? I don't know. Anyway, coming up is Pikachu from Pokemon. Yeah. I'm again. I'm really excited about what's to come with this and that that Marvel What If series. They showed some footage. We might be getting in there, Marvel zombies, because we saw a zombie Captain America getting decapitated by Bucky. Oh boy. And yeah. We also saw Star-Lord, but it's T'Challa. <gasps> what? I just want to breathe into the microphone like that just now. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But there's some really cool stuff down the line. Was it voice actor Tony Daniels Gambit from the X-Men animated series? From season five. But the first interview was Nicholas Hammond. And that interview starts right now. Hi, this is Nicholas Hammond, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Hey, everybody, it's Eddie Wilson from The Marvelists here at Super Mega Fest 2019 in Framingham, Massachusetts. Want to welcome a big, 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 whippy, web spinning, walloping web snapper. Welcome to Nicholas Hammond. Thank you, Nick, for talking to us. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be here, and it's exciting seeing all these people. I'm so thrilled to see how many people still appreciate our original old series of. Uh, what if they got the autograph? Amazing Spider Man and uh, the character. How did that come to be, if you recall that far back? Oh, of course I do. I was working uh, in L.A. I was funny enough, I was in play in Los Angeles, and the people from CBS television uh, saw me on stage in the play, and for some reason they saw a quality they thought would be good for theater, and I came in and started talking to them, and, and we had a few conversations. I wasn't sure at first whether I was the right guy for it, because I thought, you know, I'm not a wrestler, I'm not a muscle man, I'm not not a professional weightlifter, but they said, no, 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 Peter Parker's a real guy. He's just a normal guy. He's just a guy who goes to college, and he's got a part-time job, you know, at a newspaper. We don't want him to look like some muscle-bound superhero, and I thought, well, that, maybe I can do it. So, uh, fortunately, they offered me the gig, and, and I was thrilled to do it. And then just the really whole go, thing, like you know, I don't know if I realized, and some people didn't, yeah. adapting an English-American accent to your native Australian, how difficult or not was that? Well, to, to well, I, the thing is, is, I am American, but it's just I've spent a lot of time living in both England and Australia, so now I know my accent is kind of all over the place. But, you know, just recently I did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and, you know, it was no trouble at all just slotting right back and then sounding like every other American in the film. So I think I've kind of learned how to... Uh, adjusted according to what the role is. Flip the switch when it's time to do that. Yeah, that's exactly. right. That's right. what you do. Once upon a time in hot. That's the most, like you said, recent. My podcast partner, partner Peter Melnick, wanted me to ask about that. Yeah. And, and maybe a little bit about that role. And 
Well, I play Sam Wanamaker, the uh, famous American director who, who, funnily enough, lived in London, but he came back to Hollywood uh, in the late 60s, and he directed a TV uh, series called Lancer, and for anybody who has seen the movie, or and I hope you do see the movie, uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio is wonderful as a guest star on this uh, Western called Lancer, and I play his director, and Leo and I uh, have a lot of scenes together in which, because he's had a crisis of confidence and he's lost his he's lost his mojo in a way I have to kind of try to build him up and convince him that actually he is a good actor and of course that's a pretty funny thing when you think about it you've got Leonardo DiCaprio one of the greatest actors in the world and he's playing a guy who thinks he's lost the ability to act so the film works on many different levels and and I think it's a wonderful movie I think Quentin Tarantino has just done a, a brilliant job the DVD comes out in about a week's time in December and it will have a lot of deleted scenes on it that never made it into the film and I think it'll be fascinating for anybody who loves movies. Some other uh, works that you want to touch on uh, or maybe memorable ones? Well, Sound of Music, of course, obviously from being in the Sound of Music was a gift for me as a child that, you know, keeps on giving um, that I still have people all over the world who tell me, you know, how important that film was to them personally and, you know, the joy it brought into their life and, you know, for me that's just something that is such a pleasure and that also the friendships that I still have with Julie Andrews and with the other actors who played the children in the film uh, you know those are lifetime treasures for me and I'm just very very grateful so I would say uh, doing Lord of the Flies my very first film Sound of Music and now Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, would have been the three big film uh, uh, highlights of my life and having my own CBS primetime series as Peter Parker in The Amazing Spider-Man was it was a great honor as well. That would have been that I'd say I would think was the best, the biggest highlight. It was for me. Yeah, uh, it was. And Lord of the Flies required reading in grade and or high school. That's right. It Absolutely. Was. That that goes back you know quite a ways for myself as well. Yeah. Uh, any other things that you're dabbling in now? Well, Eddie, I am. I'm, I'm well. Funnily enough, I'm writing. A, I've written three miniseries already in Australia that have all done very well, and I'm writing one now here in the states, uh, a World War Two uh, thriller and it's just about ready to go and I, I love writing now as well as acting so I kind of spend my time doing the two and um, we'll talk again soon when that's when that's out you'll looking be forward to, to know. it oh my absolutely thank looking you, forward to it. the first live action Spider-Man Nicholas Hammond here on The Marvelous thank you so much that's congratulations on all your success and good thank luck thank you very much all right. thanks for coming by hi this is Tony Daniels and you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson Super Mega Fist Day 1, Saturday, November 19th. Eddie Wilson here with voice actor and, among other things, Gambit from the X-Men animated series, Tony Daniels. Thanks, Tony, for talking to us. How you doing, Eddie? Ah, better now. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all these roles, what made this one, when you did it in the 90s, of Gambit? Uh, challenging, fun, uh, problematic, or whatever you want to... Well, technically, I played uh, Gambit's brother originally. Oh, okay. And Chris Potter was the original Gambit, and then he left the show, and they went, he's already playing his brother, let's just put him in there. And so I ended up taking over. But I'd already done, like, tons of other voices on the show already. I've been lucky as a, uh, to find my voice in, in animation and in do so many. Um, my agent was telling me the other day, we, we figured I've done about 10,000 voices. Really? Yeah. Since when? I mean, how long ago? And, and where Since the late 80s in Toronto, Canada. And then um, 
I was in LA for a bit, went back, and now I live in New York. Um, and I still have a house in Canada, so I go home once in a while to see the family. Um, but yeah, I started doing all that, uh, and then just it kept growing and growing, and, and uh, um, everything from Ned's Newt to Sailor Moon, lots of Sailor Moon. We had a had a young girl a couple of weeks ago. She was dressed as Sailor Moon and came up for the you know the X Men stuff, and um, and I said, "You have a nice Sailor Moon outfit." She goes, "Oh, do you know Sailor Moon?" And I go. Of course I do. I'm Jedi. And the girl passed out. And I'm like, oh, my God. So that was really cool. And then, That's uh, a great moment. When, when somebody that is a fan but doesn't know you because they only know you by your voice. Yeah. And, and, and she, was, she was really sweet. We, uh, we got her some water, and she was fine after. But um, it, it was pretty cool. And then, yeah, those are those moments that you go, you know, you do it. I mean, some, some actors come and go crazy about, you know, trying to uh, – do these comic-con things to i just want to reach out to the fans i just you know because they're really they're really they're the reason you're around and and if it wasn't for the producers that put this stuff together actors would be you know nothing so you know when it uh, when it started for you was it something you said you know what that's what i want to do or did it fall where somebody said you know you should go into this no actually um i was a musician uh, in fact, are you around tonight? You're going to see us play tonight. I'm playing with I'm playing with Thomas G. Waits from the Warriors. Warriors, you know, yes. And say so we got we got some Warriors across from us right now. And uh, Thomas and I we met at a Warriors reunion, and for some reason my wife hit it off with their dog. They had their dog there. Let's leave it right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. And then, no, no, we, we had, they had a great time. My wife lo- loves dogs. And uh, and then we, we we just became really close friends, and then we started playing music together. But that's how it happened for me. I was a, I was like an 11-year-old musician, and uh, this guy came in and says, Hi, I'm Shotgun Tom Rivers. I want you on my radio show. And I went, whoa, I want to I go. So my dad took me over. And I sat with him, and I went, this is what I want to do. And then the first weird voice I ever did, like, for real, was we used to have Wolfman Jack come in to do the, um, the pirate radio show. So he actually used to come to Toronto, Chicago, New York, but he was based out of L.A., pirate radio. And he showed up one day, and he was a little <clears throat> tipsy. So they go, man, we can't put him on the air. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I go, well, I could do his voice. And they were like... How old are you? 13. <laughs> and they're like, what? Yeah. So starting at 11 with music. Yeah, with music. And so I sat in and did two stop sets. And and then he walks in and he's fine. And he, he was uh, he, he was just, he had, hadn't slept. He'd been traveling. All, and I'm like, oh, man, poor guy. And so I get up to leave and he goes, where are you going? I go. Um, you're here now and he's no no you sit beside me and they put a chair and I sat with him the whole night it was really cool yes absolutely yeah there is a lot of joy that can be had in voice work I've tried to the only thing I think that might well, part of the reason it might be different is that you, you find what you're happy with you do what makes you happy and if it winds up being somewhat profitable for you even better yeah oh yeah I have a spouse to thank very much for what I do because it's it's on the low side but it's local it's radio and it's terrestrial as I have to call it to some people yes it's the stuff you don't pay for yeah but I still enjoy it so you know I, I no and I and I see your passion because I uh, I still love radio I miss doing it I uh I've been lucky that I got to work with everybody from um, a couple of guys in Canada named Jesse and Gene, the Roger, Rick, and Marilyn show, which 
huge numbers in Canada, and then Howard Stern. So, yeah. That's great. And I still do, well, great. But I still do bits for uh, Howard, and uh, it's kind of fun. Very nice. Yeah. That is very cool. And it's nice when you can get paid for little bits that you do here and there that come up. Even if it's infrequent, it's still that it's happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You continue to do it. You love what you're doing. And, again, congratulations on your success. Nice to meet you. Thanks for taking some time to talk to us. How can people find you if they would like to reach you on social media? Uh, TonyDaniels.com. Check out my new album. It's called Dreams. It's on Spotify and everywhere else you get your music. But I I just, you got to check this video out, Eddie. I shot this video. Um, I'm not that kind of, I'm an artist, but, you know. I try to extend my art into a bit of drawing and stuff, so I, uh, I wrote a song with Cassandra Kabinsky called Dreams, and um, I, I, uh, I shot 160,000 stop-motion photos to make this thing. How long does that take, 160,000? It was like a week. Eight hours, 12, 15 hours a day. Just kept shooting and shooting and shooting. I thought I was going to pass out, but I'll tell you, it was worth it. When you see it, it's online on YouTube right now. It's called Dreams, and I uh, just put Daniels or Kubinski, K-U-B-I-N-S-K-I, and you'll find it. And I'm telling you, you'll, you'll send me a note going, dude, this looks cool. It's in, a couple of, um, it's in a couple of film festivals right now, so that'd be nice if it wins because it was a real art endeavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think how many... Flip books would that mean that, that equate to 160,000? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably like one giant 160,000 page flip book. You, you couldn't do it, yeah, you need like five friends. So. There you go, right? Thanks again, Tony Daniel. Appreciate it here at Super Mega Fest 2019. Nice to meet you. It is time for Obsessed with Marvel. I've always wanted to do an intro for this. Well, I, I cut you short now, didn't I? No, I mean, I'm still six foot one. No, then I cut you down. <gasps> bang, bang, you cut me down. Bang, bang, that awful sound. I realized the lyrics were slightly different because of Nancy Sinatra's version. Wow. You're really, really doing a bad job of that. Okay. Thank you. Question number 1,959 goes. The Arm bar. And <laughs> it says it. The fearsome cloak Arm and bar? dagger were originally two runaway teenagers Tyrone Johnson was a 17-year-old African-American. Tandy Bowen was a 16-year-old from a wealthy white family. They first met upon arrival in New York City, and the pair quickly bonded. When some men offered Tandy a place to stay, Tyrone went along to protect her. He was right to be suspicious. The men forcibly subjected the teenagers to a new experimental form of synthetic heroin, but the drug activated their latent mutations. Tyrone became Cloak, an ominous figure who can open portals into the Dark Force dimension and who feeds on the light, or life energies, of the victims he sends there. Tandy became Dagger, who creates daggers of light, which drain victims of their energy. With their new powers, they became a team of vigilantes focusing on fighting drug dealers. So, created by writer Bill Mantlo and artist Ed Hannigan, the characters, Cloak and Dagger, debuted in 1982. In which series did Cloak and Dagger first appear? I know. Yes, I know this too. Was it The Amazing Spider-Man? Nope. Was it Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man? Perhaps. Was it Cloak and Dagger? Oh, no. Or was it The New Mutants? Nope. Yeah, they first appeared in Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. We're going to go with that. In our original cut of this, Eddie goes, let's see what... What we don't know about the Marvel Universe. Well, we proceed to get the right. first question. B, let's go. 
Correct. And we love it. And I'm actually reading right now, like I said, I'm going through my uh, X-Men reread. You did go through that and say? I'm still, well, in our Rainbow Rowell episode. Oh, whoa, whoa. But in regards well, to that, I just read the uh, Bill Sienkiewicz issue where Cloak and Dagger show up. Oh, cool. Damn, they're good characters. Well, this is kind of cool, but in a weird way. We go from question 1959 to 1979. The world. Oh, wait, that's a, sorry, wrong song by it's like Smashing a jump. Pumpkins. That left. doesn't come till 1984 for both Van Halen and the Pointer Sisters. Uh, maybe 83 for the Pointers. Anyway, 1979. Which museum do Mr. Hyde and the Cobra rob in Daredevil number 61 from 1970? Mm. What museum do, the, do Mr. Hyde and Cobra rob? Was it the American Museum of Natural History? Was it the Museum of Modern Art? Was it the Guggenheim Museum? Or was it the Metropolitan Museum of Art? And in the no clue category, it's me. I'm going to go field this question to Eddie Wilson. You, you are? Yes, I am. Which museum do Mr. Hyde and the Cobra rob in Daredevil number 61? Yes. American Museum of Natural History, Museum of Modern Art, Guggenheim Museum, Metropolitan Museum of Art. Ah, Guggenheim. I'm just going to take a shot. Good at writer. C and Meg. be correct. <laughs> See, for some reason, I was also thinking it would be the Guggenheim because... That's a fun museum for it's people. Funny, it's for, a fun name to say, I just, think. Not just that, but also like look at the museum itself. It's a cool bit of architecture, and I imagine like somebody drawing that would be like, oh, I get to draw this. And that's during the Gene Colan era of Daredevil, I believe. Sounds and right. Yeah. Daredevil, er, Gene's art was like so photorealistic. Imagine him drawing that. He basically makes it look real. Why not? Wow, two out of two? How can this be? Must I don't be know. A, must be an off day, off podcast. Number no, we're recording. Believe me, this time this is recording. Two, four, six, two. How do we appreciate ooh? Ooh. What can Devil Slayer do with his shadow cloak? Open S portals to other dimensions. Start bitching 80s bands. Cause it to obey his mental commands. Teleport over limited distances. Or all answers are correct. I think I know the answer right here. What can Devil Slayer do with his shadow cloak? Open portals to other dimensions. What can cause he do? It, cause it to obey his mental commands. Teleport over limited distances. Or all answers are correct. History from this book has shown that this type of multiple choice, all answers are correct. Peter? I'm going to go with the Eddie census. D. Oh. <gasps> Three out of three. Ain't bad. It's damn good. We, we must stop here. Well, we should go for four. That way we can <laughs> lose on that one. We can show that we really can get something wrong now this time around. Do you really want to? Yeah, why not? Okay. 1849. What a year. I know. We're not even up to the Civil War now. And... 1849 says, Who is responsible for all this ruckus? <laughs> well, you got the four part right. For revealing Daredevil's secret identity to the kingpin. Oh, I know this one, so we won't get four, uh, three well, 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 just, just, all right. Ben Urich. Nope. Electra. Nope. Foggy Nelson. Nope. Karen Page. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Born again, baby. Wow. Frank Miller. Who's responsible David for Mazzuccelli. revealing Daredevil's secret identity to the kingpin? He says Karen Page. 
And I'm just going to go right there with him. <gasps> and four out of four? It is one of the darkest storylines. And like wow. the backstory of why she has to do that is so messed up. And, and it's then that's on my list. Yeah. For sure. You own the book, I imagine. I would think so, yes. But anyway. It's a good long run on Daredevil. It's a long four Halloween. Four. Don't Daredevil. expect that to happen Batman. again anytime soon, true believers. Thanks for listening again to Obsessed with Marvel. Booga, booga, booga. <laughs> <laughs>